you think about our world. Last week, uh, I was talking to um, somebody before church, and uh, I said, "Hey, I said, hey, how are things going?" And they said, "Uh, pretty good." They kind of stalled, and I said, "What's going on?" And they they kind of looked at me like, "Haven't you been watching the news?" And I, I thought, "Oh no, I, I those are things I can't do anything about." Um, but I thought this morning, uh, as um, and, and we're continuing on in our study of the book of Galatians. You can turn there as I'm babbling. Um, but um, I, I was thinking about um, when I was in college, I got to go uh, on a short-term mission trip to Ukraine. And uh, I, I got to spend most of my time, uh, we had traveled a little bit in Moscow, which Russia, and then... Um, uh, I can't remember what they call it, Leningrad, but I think it's called, what's it called now? Thank you. I knew it was something, St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg and Leningrad, and then um, uh, down to Kiev for most of my time, and I got to preach one time there. I got to preach as a college man, and uh, you, you kind of think in terms as if you're a preacher, what do you preach when you get to preach one time? And I, I think about where Ukraine is in the world right now, and even Kiev, and what life is like for them, I can't imagine. Um, what would you preach if you were in Kiev? Or um, maybe if you were in a small church in uh, the Gaza Strip, what would you preach if you preached there? Or, or if you're in Israel, what would you preach there? Or, wh- or whether you're in Lebanon or Syria. And obviously these are different settings completely. Um, to Hatchapi and Bear Valley Springs, uh, Pretty nice day today, huh? Uh, it's the end of fall, and we're getting rid of the rest of our leaves. Um, they just keep coming down. They just keep coming down. Um, and soon, it'll be snow. I know some of you hate snow, but it's going to be here soon, and uh, things will change. And, and so what do you preach on a day uh, where there's uncertainty, and, and what, what would you share with people? And I think that as I... Um, it's really the same message over and over and over again. It's the message of, are you sure you're right with God? Are you sure? Are you confident in your relationship with God? Not confident in yourself, but are you confident in your relationship with God? It's not about bombs falling. It's not about um, countries falling and uh, this nation rising up and this nation coming down. And it's not about uh, economics. It's not about whether you even have another meal. It's about knowing that you're right with God. And I, I hear Paul's heart. I hear the heart of God behind the writer Paul as we're in Galatians chapter four today, and his passionate plea with these people to think clearly about what it means to know Christ, what it means to know Christ. So if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you. I wanna always tell you too, um, if you can't stand, that's fine, that's fine. Um, You can stand in your heart, you can stand in your heart. God knows your heart, Um, we won't look down on you. Uh, at all if, if you don't stand, um, but for the rest of us, we will. Uh, God, God's word says this, Galatians chapter four, starting in verse eight, uh, the word of God says this, formerly, um, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to, to those that by nature are not gods. 
But now that, that you have uh, come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, uh, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. Uh, you know it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become uh, of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but uh, for no good purpose. Uh, they want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is, uh, verse 18, it is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And, and not only when I am present with you, my, my little children for whom I am again in ang the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you and, and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. God, I ask that you would uh, transfer this passage to our own hearts today. I pray that we would think about our own lives clearly and that we would know your gospel well and we'd be settled in it and that it would transform us. God, thank you for this time. Glorify yourself in your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage oozes with love uh, of Paul for the Galatian people. Just by way of review, uh, Paul had come with others and he had preached the gospel to the Galatian people people and they had responded in faith and there was a church or churches established there and as they had come to faith as he left others came in after most likely from Jerusalem and and they came and they said yeah that's great that you accepted Christ but now you have to be circumcised you have to uh you know, follow after the feast, Ten Commandments, dietary laws. These are the things that you really need to do if you're really going to be mature, transformed, if you're really going to be complete in your newfound faith to be like us. Um, and, and this was, for them, it was this amazing pressure to now comply to those, probably once, once again, like I said, in Jerusalem that were... Uh, where kind of the hub of Christianity was at that time. And so we come to this passage, and, and Paul's saying this over and over again, different ways. And today he's going to say some very strong words. And, and, and it's not strong words like hateful words or, or biting words, but brokenhearted words, compelling words uh, that Paul shares with them. And he, he begins our passage this morning in verse 8, and he says, formerly, he, he, he points back to the before Christ days, B.C., okay? If you think about 
<coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. I, like others, have struggled this week. Um, he, uh, he, he shares with them, and he, he's going to talk about their present situation. But before he does, he says, Let, let's talk about your life before Christ. Your life before Christ. And that's always a good thing to remember, um, even to praise God for, right? As we think about what we can be thankful for, we be thankful that God didn't leave us in that place before Christ. Um, what was your life before Christ? Let's let you sit with that one for a moment. Um, what was your life before Christ? For, for most, it had, had some form of hamster wheel living to it. Some form of it. Some form of it. It was, it was either, hey, I, I want a great life, and so I'm going to go out and get what I want. And so you, you jumped on the wheel and you ran really fast, but, and, and you even attained things and got things, but, but there was this sense of like you could never stop, right? You could never stop because when you stopped, there was this empty feeling. There was this emptiness that the last uh, successes weren't enough, right? For others of you, you, you chased just after sinful pleasures, the lusts of your eyes and heart, and you chased after them, and you, you, you went from one sin to another, and it was thrilling, but just for a moment, you know, sin for a season. And then you ran for some more, and you were on the hamster wheel again, and it was never satisfying. And others of you, you, you thought, I'll, I'll be good enough, I'll be good enough. You were never good enough. You never attained the goodness that you desired. And so as Paul says this, uh, we want to hear this for ourselves. Formerly, what was your life? He says, formerly, when you did not know, did not know God, you were enslaved to the nature, uh, to, to that which by nature are not God's. You were enslaved. You're enslaved. That hamster wheel was a, a slavery thing. You had to do it, right? You were stuck there. There was hard work, but there was no satisfaction. There was hard work, but there was never any peace. There was hard work, but there was never any escape from it, right? There was never a settledness to your soul. You were enslaved. Slavery is obviously an ugly thing, and he uses it. Paul uses it over and over again in his writings to talk about sin. But it's not just the particular sins that are enslaving. It's the whole system that's enslaving. It's being stuck there. And he says in uh, verse 8, he says, When you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that were by nature not God's. I mentioned this a couple weeks back, but the, the whole system apart from Christ is all about working and worshiping not God's. Not God's. And I say not God's because there are so many of them, but uh, that's the whole point of this, this verse is that you're enslaved, that your life was stuck for you to worship or to make a God that which is not a God. 
I always find this funny in, um, in the days of the writing of the book of Galatians and especially in the Old Testament as well, people had idols, had family idols. In some places in the world, they still do. They have family idols. And, and those idols have places of origin, right? They're, they were manufactured someplace. They were created someplace. And you can imagine in our day and age today, there's a, a steel building somewhere with a bunch of machines and a bunch of computers and raw material, and they're, they're uh, digitally printing idols. And, and, and you, you can imagine what that would be like to, to work in that place and say, what do you do for a living? I'm an idol maker. I'm an idol maker. It's really a fascinating industry. You can make a lot of cash uh, making idols. And uh, you can imagine, you know, uh, as, with any, as with any manufacturing place, um, they, they have a, a scrap heap, a scrap heap. Uh, ones that didn't turn out okay, right? Uh, that's the pile of gods that didn't work. You know, they, they were mistake gods that I was making over there, right? And it just, it just didn't come out right. That one, he didn't have as many eyes as he was supposed to have, Right? It, 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 it seems funny, it seems funny, but the reality is that us, apart from God, are, are enslaved and worshiping something that's not God. We're stuck there. And this was what he was pointing at to the Galatian church. He says, do you remember those days? Do you remember, some of you, you, know, you remember when you bought your idol at the corner market? Do you remember um, that you thought that that was something, but it was nothing, and yet you ran your whole life by that? And I, I just want to say this, that that's the enemy plot. And I think it's said in a way that the enemy would be pleased with. What, what, uh, what, what is the desire of the enemy that, that you would not know God, you'd not know God, that, but you'd be enslaved to something What's the one thing? Well, it's not a one thing. Anything that's not God. Anything that's not God. That's the enemy's desire. And I, I want to say this. This is an everybody problem. This is an everybody problem. And, and I want to encourage you. Uh, many of you work in uh, difficult environments. Uh, you, you have people around you that are very uh, lost, lost, lost people. And maybe it grinds on you and grates on you. And maybe they, in their personality, grind and grate on you. And I just want to remind you of this one thing. That this verse is about them, but the one word that they can't claim is formerly. Right? It's present tense is they are presently enslaved, presently enslaved to, to that which is not a God. And so I, I want to encourage us as we look at a lost world to not be annoyed with them, discouraged, impatient with them, but that we would have compassion on them, knowing that their life is stuck where our life was stuck. Verse 9. But this is part of this whole situation that he wants to talk about. Um, we're really looking at the first 11 verses. 
or, or not the first 11 verses, verse 8 through 11. He talks about the situation before Christ, and then in verse 9, he switches over and he says, now, but now, like this is the present tense, this is where you are now. It, and, and, and I want to say this, I, I want to say this, it's not really as clear as you probably want me to be, and maybe m- myself as well. There are times in the book of Galatians that you're concerned about Paul's theology. And, and you, you want to say, Paul, are, are the Galatian people saved or are they not saved? Uh, are, are they believers or are they not believers? And I, I want to tell you clearly, he refers to them as brothers over and over again. And yet he knows, he knows that if they don't understand the gospel clearly, they're not brothers. They don't understand the implications of that. And so he reiterates this over and over again in hopes to clarify the gospel to them, in hopes to clarify not just the gospel, but the implications of the gospel to them. Verse 9, uh, but, but now that you have come to know God, come to know God, what a great a thrill that is to know God, to know God. That these people who were enslaved to that which is not God would finally get to know the real God. And he says it to know God, but then he says, says this, if, if you look down verse nine, uh, but that you have come to know God or rather be known by God. He, he says it both ways, that you know God but that he knows you, knows you. And this knowledge is one of when, when you know somebody and they know you, what is that? It's a relationship, right? Um, it, it's always funny because we have celebrities. We love celebrities in the United States. We love them. Uh, we love them. Well, it's our favorite thing in the world, you know. Um, and... Uh, if, if I asked you, do you know Mike Trout? And they'd go, yeah, Mike Trout. I know Mike Trout. You know, plays for the Angels at least now. And, uh, and, and like he's he's big deal. I know all about him. And, and, and if you'd go to Mike Trout and you'd say, hey, uh, do you know Kevin Bosler? And he'd say, I don't know. I've never heard of Kevin Bosler. He said he knows you. He said he knows you. I don't know that guy. Keep that creep away from me, Right? stalker uh, but the relationship here that that uh, the Galatian church entered into was one that they knew God because of accepting Jesus Christ they knew God and more importantly that he knew them he knew them that now this the, what was the old place that they were in? The old, this is so great to put side by side. The old place they were in was they were enslaved to that which was not a God. Now, replaced with, they were ones who knew God and were known by God. Isn't that amazing to put it side by side like that? To, to really think through this is what it is now uh, the situation that the uh, Galatians were in, and I, I would say this, this is the situation we are in. And so a, as he's really putting the foundation, he says, I, I want your feet firmly planted in this gospel relationship. 
Which brings up the problem. This, this is what the problem is, okay? Uh, actually, let's read the problem. Uh, verse four, uh, chapter four, verse 10. What does he say? He says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. Verse 11, I'm afraid that I have labored over you in vain. Back up one verse once again. Uh, he says, but, but now that you have come to know God or rather be known by God, how can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you were once, uh, want to be once more? What was the slavery? You observed days and months and seasons and years. And Paul looked upon his, uh, his going to them and he goes, I hope I didn't waste my time. It's not that Paul's time was so important. It's that he wanted to see Christ in them. He wanted to see the, the response of the gospel to set them free, to set them free. I, I want to stop here because I, I think it's important. Um, I, I shared with you maybe a month ago that in the book of Galatians, we're really going to talk about the Spirit of God and His work in our life and how that works. And um, some of you got really excited, and that was a month ago, and we really haven't talked about it yet. And I looked in the passage, and I said, we're still two or three weeks out, and Christmas is coming, and like, I just didn't want to leave you hanging. I, I want to say this. So, so th this, is the, this is what the problem is. This is what the problem is. How did the Galatians live before Jesus? We don't know. We don't know. We, we see them as Gentiles. So however Gentiles live, you know, in all kinds of different sins, chasing after all kinds of different gods and the hamster wheel, we know that that's kind of the way people do, right? How do the Jews, how did the Jews do without Jesus, right? A similar thing, right? A, a similar thing, but, but they had you know, they had the Ten Commandments. They had things, and those Ten Commandments didn't necessarily make them feel good. Some of them it did, but it, that was just in their pride, thinking that, you know, I'd done this one well one time one day, right? But if they really d dwelled upon it, they would find themselves guilty and needing, and they'd cry out to a God for mercy, to God for mercy. And so, the, the Jews and the Gentiles, apart from Christ, are, are, are like, I, I, I got to be free. Like, I got to be right. I can't be right. Jesus comes in, and then they come to faith in Christ, the freedom, and they're, they're so excited, and they say, so how do I now live? I'm so familiar with being on the hamster wheel. How do I now live being a free believer in Jesus Christ? And I want to tell you, this is what most people do. Most people do. Most people do. And I, I assume that most of us have done this. We come to know Christ. We have freedom in Christ. And then we say, I need to make myself a bunch of rules. I need to try super hard now on the Christian hamster wheel. I was really good at the wheel before, like I, you know, I was faster, mine spin, spun a lot faster than my friends, but now I'm going to do that in a Christian sort of way, the hamster wheel. That's not the way. 
That's not the way. The Galatian church, it seems like they really gravitated towards this message of false teachers that came to them and said, hey, you need to be Jewish. You need to be Jewish. Here's the list. Here's the list of things you do. This is the calendar. These are the foods you stay away from. And, and, and there's this desire in us of self-effort to say, I'm going to do it by myself. I'm going to be a good Christian by myself. I want to tell you, I want to show you from Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 16, and we'll, we'll camp on this a month when we get to it, okay? Um, the, the book of Galatians is pushing to this concept of how now do you live? It's a different way of living. How do you live as, as a free person when you have lived enslaved your whole life? This is how to do it. Verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. What he does in the book of Galatians is he takes out this enslaving hamster wheel, doing my best, trying hard, failing, and coming up short, frustration, he, he takes that out and he says, I want to put in walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Rules and trying hard to be good ha has a place, right? It has a place until you come to know Christ. And then it gets replaced with relationship. Gets replaced with relationship. Um, how do you wake up in the morning if you don't know the list of rules? Well, you just walk with the one that you're trying to please, right? You just do what you feel like God wants you to do. Well, that's rules. No, it's not. It's asking him. It's in relationship. God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to handle this situation? How do you want me to live? I, I don't really have, like, I don't know. It's so foreign to me. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We will come back to this, but I, want, I didn't want to leave you hanging today. You know, we've talked about this long enough. I, I, I want to I say this, that as we look at chapter 4, and uh, we see this, he, he, says, he says his fear is that they want to go back. They want to go back. What do they want to go back to? Weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. The trying hard, chasing after sin, and whatever rules or whatever. He says, those are the things you want to go back to? They didn't work the first time for you. They, they were enslaving the first time. Why do you want to go back to those? And their answer was probably, uh, I thought we were supposed to. I thought that God would somehow be pleased with us. And Galatians is a book uh, of Paul bringing this message, this letter to them of saying, no, it's not, don't go back. Don't go back. Don't guard the garbage can. Don't say, that's a precious part of my life. Say, get rid of it. And Paul writes, he says, I'm afraid I labored in you in vain. And I, I want to say it this way. Paul's afraid 
that they truly hadn't accepted Christ or that or that in some way that they would never come to uh, fruition, their, their life would never grow in Christ because they were stuck in their old ways. And so uh, he calls them to something different in verse 12. And, and I would say that he, he finishes this thought 12 through verses, uh, verse 20, I believe. Um, he, he says this, grow up into Christ. Verse 12, he says, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. And, and what, what is he asking? What is he telling them? He's saying, uh, I, I had to follow the same path. Who, who was Paul? Was he a Jew? Was he a Jew? Yes, he was. That was his upbringing, heritage, you know, blood, whatever you want to say. He was all those things. You know, in the book of Philippians, he even lists out all the ways that he was uh, you know, highest of highest Jewish person, right? And, and as he, he looked at his, where he was, he came to faith, he was dropped on the road, right? Blinded, came to faith in Christ and it changed everything, right? He no, no longer was clinging to that which he had done before, right? He had abandoned that. And so what he says to the Galatians, he says, look, I've had to go through this. I, I've had my life changed because of Christ. I, I know the pull towards legalism. I, I know the pull towards going back to the, the old laws and the dates and seasons and somehow thinking you're pleasing God by, by checking off that I've done it all. I know. But he calls upon them as brothers, people he loves, but not just that, but believers, become as I am. And he says, for I also have become as you are. It's fascinating because when you, you meet another brother or sister in Christ, it um, doesn't matter where you came from. It, it doesn't matter. You, you have the same ranking, right? You're a child of God. And even as Paul was coming as the Apostle Paul to Galatia and sharing with them the gospel, he was the one giving the gospel and they were the one receiving it. Upon receiving it, they were the same. They were the same. And Paul says, I, I want you to think and be like I am. I, I want you to, to take that same path that I've took. And then he says some very personal things that, that we don't quite understand all that he's, he's talking about because it, it was very peculiar to them and we don't have much data. But in verse 13, he says, um, actually, in verse 12, uh, you, you did me no wrong. You did me no wrong. You, you know it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me but receive me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then have I become an enemy? Oh, uh, what then has become of your blessedness? For I, uh, for I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. That's wild, isn't it? And, and what, what you see here is this Paul just gushing forth his love for the Galatian people and, and acknowledging their love for him. He has some kind of human ailment that we don't, we don't know specifically. Many 
Theologians have speculated and tried to piece together what it was. And, but, but somehow that he was sick when he was with them. And that in that sickness, I want to tell you this too, that Paul preached and shared the gospel at cost to his physical self. You look at that and you go, uh, I don't know, like I, I just think so often uh, about the things that we do and don't do and we, we treat uh, the things of God is like an afterthought, right? Like an afterthought. If we have time, if, if there's spare energy and, and vigor to my life, I will serve the Lord. And then Paul was like, no, I got stuff to do. I got places to go. And, and as he particularly was at Galatia, he was sick, right? He had ailments. And, and in a sweet, beautiful way, as they accepted the Christ, they also accepted Paul. And not just accepted him, but served him. And as they served him, uh, their hearts were uh, knit together and, and he felt the love from them. Uh, this un- unknown sickness, we don't know what it is, but he says that they would have even, there's this passion that they would have given of themselves if he, if he could be better. He sacrificed for them, they sacrificed in significant ways to him. And so he, he says this, and, and this is an important piece. Uh, I think it's helpful for us. I think that there's something for us to learn right now in this um, particular verse. He talks about having his eyes, their eyes gouged out for him, then given to him. And then in verse 16, he says, Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? Um... I I, want to tell you, I want to tell you this, that most of us, uh, we love each other as long as you affirm what I already believe. It's true. It's true. Um, I've felt it over and over again. Uh, Please don't feel sorry for me. Um, I don't have that... I don't, I don't sit around and feeling sorry for myself, but I'm just telling you this, okay? As a pastor, um, you can go years. You can go years with people. You, you can walk through heartaches with them. You can do uh, weddings and memorial services, and you can pray with one another. You can pray for them and walk them through times, and it's just exciting to see God's growth in their life. And, and then they say, I didn't like your sermon last week. I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you on something. And they say, well, you, you know, and then they're gone. And then they're gone. And then they're gone. And, and, and you look at Paul and he's saying, I, I want to highlight this. Are we not friends anymore? Have we become enemies? And have we become enemies because I wrote you this letter and, and I came in hot initially, right? He says, uh, he, he talks about, he calls them foolish Galatians. He says, who's put, put a cast or cast a spell on you or something like that? That, that, that picture of bewitched you? He says, 
Have we become enemies because I was willing to tell you the truth, the truth about your soul, the truth about the gospel, and and really share with you how important it was? Paul says, uh, he says, I'm sharing you the truth. The truth, it it doesn't mean that we're enemies. Actually, the the complete opposite. If I would share the truth with you, it means we're friends means we're family. It means I care about you. Verse 17 uh, shows the other side, the false teachers. The the false teachers, how did they go about things? Well, they make much of you, right? You're the best. Have you lost weight? I love the way you did your hair today, right? You're a big deal here in Galatia. Man, you're prominent. Everyone thinks you're great. He says, uh, they make much of you. And uh, why do they make much of you? Because they think you're great? No. They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. The the process here was this, that these ones who wanted to add uh, to their salvation with these works, he says, hey, you're going to be a big deal if you... If you follow after us, and, and, and so we make much of you, you make much of us, and we're all great. I, I want to tell you, by the way, when you're great, when you're great, and you're the one being worshipped, or when they're great, the ones being worshipped, those are the no gods, right? Those are the ones that are not gods, not gods. And you're worshipping that which is not God's. You make much of me, I'll make much of you. The purpose matters. Verse 18 is always good to be uh, made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I'm uh, present, uh, when I'm present with you, my, my little children, for whom I again, in anguish of childbirth, uh, I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Why does he come? What is the great purpose? What is the the message for this? That the gospel would be settled in your soul. He he refers to the pain of childbirth, and I always think it's funny when men talk about childbirth. But but it's a picture of this um, painful anguish with a purpose, with a purpose, with, with a precious and, and worthwhile purpose, that, that it's, it's the only way and it's this, this sense of like, it, I hear moms say this all the time, yeah, it, it was painful and this and that, but it was worth it, it was worth it. And Paul says that the pain of uh, what's going on in your life and that, that the gospel might be settled is like the pain of childbirth. And I want you to hear this. This is what he says, uh, until Christ is formed in you. This idea of Christ being formed in you is the idea of transformation. That you would know and that I would know that you're his. That you truly got it. I want to say this. Salvation is a point in time. A point in time. It's a date, a moment, whatever you want to call it. It's a point in time. 
It's not that you're kind of saved and then you kind of get it and you're about 25% worth of Christian. And then it, once you get past like, uh, I don't know if you think a D or a C is passing, but anyways, that percentage in there, um, you, you get to a certain percentage and then you're really saved. You're really saved. No, it's a point in time. But I want to tell you that there, there's this time in the future that, that you see that Christ has grown, you know, it's the, it's the budding tree, it's the little plant that comes up and you go, yeah, I think it's there, I think it's there. But when you see it grow and be strong and, and weather the storms and bear fruit, there's this fruition that, that we know, that we know. Paul says, that's what I'm working for. In verse 20, he, he, he talks to them, once again, gushing heart, the, the passion. He says, I, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed by you. I'm confused by you. This is where we'll stop today. I, I want to give you three uh, landing points this morning. And, and just to help you sort through um, the first one is this, that, that false teachers always have a list to do. They always have a list. And when I say a list to do, a list for you to do. Um, if, if, you don't, if you don't follow their path, if you don't take their program, if you don't uh, give to their ministry, if you don't uh, buy in to their deal, um, it, it's not the only thing, but it's one of the things that marks a false teacher. Mark's a false teacher. False teachers always will have a list to do. Secondly, I'll just say this and remind you that the gospel changes everything for you. Changes everything. It, it, your life's going to look different, and it needs to. It needs to be transformed. You were dead in your sins. For you to be alive in Christ, it's going to look different. It's going to look different. So as you come to know Christ, be ready for that transformation, excited for it, and open to it. And then lastly, say this, that freedom in Christ is from now till forevermore. It's forever. It's not a temporary thing. It's not freedom in Christ and then I go back to slavery. It's freedom in Christ forevermore. God, thank you for this morning and for your word. I ask that you would help us to, to really uh, be settled in our soul, settled in the footing of the gospel, and that we would, um, Christ would take over every area of our life. God, that your son Jesus would be marked in, in us in all ways, shape and form, and that we would learn how to walk by your spirit and not by our flesh. And and what that is to trust in you daily, moment by moment, and not be playing by the old lists uh, that we're enslaving. God, do your work in us now. Transform your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.